And welcome on in to the JR Sport Brief Show. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Friday. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Friday right here. Whether it's getting the weekend started, I was going to say early, but I mean, it's 9 o'clock on the East Coast, 6 on the West Coast. If this is getting your weekend started early, I guess that means you're like me then, working nights. Hopefully, either way, getting the weekend started, finishing up the work week, it doesn't matter. However you're joining us, wherever you're joining us, we thank you and appreciate you making us a part of your Friday. A Friday that is interesting, to say the least, especially if you go down uh, the turnpike, at least for where I am here in New York City, and go down to Philadelphia. Because right now it is chaos in Philly. Everything right now, this offseason, that has just right, just started. The Super Bowl ended, what, less than two weeks ago? It's still going as bad as it could have gone. We talked a lot on yesterday's show. And apologies, thank you for bearing with me here, as you could tell just by the voice. Um, I am fighting a little bit of a cold. Pushing through here. Thank you for your patience. Um, we talked on yesterday's show. With a report that comes from Derek Gunn, who works in Philly, about why things in Philly with the Eagles last year went south. Why they started 10-1 and and then ended the season as one of the worst teams in the league. And Derek cited Jalen Hurts' big contract, the fact that their head of security, Big Dom, was not on the sidelines. So now Nick Sirianni is erupting like a volcano, yelling at players, yelling at coaches, unable as a grown man to control his own emotions somehow. And that's why the Eagles sees him off the rails. There's other reports um, about that, the fact that the players didn't trust the coaches. There's reports that there was infighting within the players. There's other, you know, reports that hint at salacious, juicy rumors going on. There's a lot coming out of Philly about why this season went poorly all centered around lack of chemistry and lack of cohesion. I said it yesterday, I'll I'll repeat it here because it's still applicable. That starts first and foremost with Nick Sirianni. And the Eagles not firing Nick Sirianni after the season is a big mistake. And it's a mistake, by the way, they are still paying for. Even though they have hired a new offense coordinator and a new defensive coordinator, Nothing is changing because the guy in charge, Nick Sirianni, is not doing a good job of getting everything in order. Like, his role as head coach of the Eagles. He's not calling plays. He's not the GM. His number one role as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles is leadership. It's to get everybody on the same page. It's to make sure that everyone is understanding the game plan their role, make sure everyone's happy in their role. If not, they understand why their role has been diminished, whatever it may be, providing leadership so that this talent, and the Eagles have a lot of it, isn't derailed by, frankly, stupid problems and stupid issues. And that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what is continuing to happen, where to the point today, you had A.J. Brown, Call into Sports Radio WIP, their sports radio station, our sister station, down in Philadelphia, and basically have a 20-minute phone call to 
to try to, you know, bespell all of these rumors and reports and try to make it look like all is well. A.J. Brown should not be doing that. That is not A.J. Brown's role or responsibility to get everybody on the same page. That is the head coach's responsibility. That is what Nick Sirianni has failed to do. And I think also, to highlight this, what he's also failed to do is have the team around him believe in him. Again, the belief was gone in season. When you could just tell by the way the players played, but even reports as well that the players lost trust of the coaching staff, there was lack of belief and trust in Nick Sirianni as the head coach, along with the offense coordinator, Brian Johnson, and the defense coordinator, whether it's Sean Desai or Matt Patricia, who was brought in and somehow made a bad defense worse. But that lack of trust, even though, again, coordinators have changed this offseason, that lack of trust has continued. Because think about it. Why are reports still coming out? Why are we still talking about the Eagles? Like, at this point in the offseason, this is one of the dead times for the NFL. The scouting combine is next week. We're just coming off the Super Bowl. This is like a two, this is supposed to be a two week period where there's a lull in NFL news. And for the most part, there is. Right outside of Justin Fields' future, outside of Kirk Cousins as a free agent and the Steelers quarterback situation, there's not a lot of NFL talk right now until the combine next week. But yet the Eagles, even in what is supposed to be a dead time, still keep on coming up in the news cycle. Why is that? Because different reports continue to get leaked out to different members of the media, different reporters. I'll ask you the same question I just asked you two seconds ago. Why is that? I think it's because those in the front office, those as support staff, those even as players are frustrated with what's going on, don't think any real changes have been made, and want to shine light with just how bad things have been by getting exactly what happened out there. Opening our eyes to truly what's going on behind the scenes and why the Eagles went from 10-1 and to getting blown out in Wild Card Weekend. That all, to me, circles around the theme of lack of belief in Nick Sirianni. The head coach who's supposed to organize everything, who's supposed to be the leader, has failed horribly in that position. And now the Eagles are in a free fall. In a free fall to the point where their star receiver said, you know what, if no one else is going to speak up, I'll do it. I give him credit. That to me, honestly, is true leadership. Now, we're about to play some of the things he just said. I'll be honest. Well, I commend A.J. Brown for going out there, putting his name on the record, talking directly to the fans by joining WIP. I think the answers you're about to hear are complete lies, are not true. But why I still respect A.J. Brown is I think he's lying in part to put the greater good of the team ahead. He's not looking to cause more drama. He's not looking to point the finger at other people. He is looking to stop right now the insanity that has been circling around this Eagles team for the last month. 
He is doing what a great leader is supposed to do. Put out the fires. And that's why I still don't understand as we sit here on February 23rd why Nick Sirianni is still the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. But we teased it. Let's let's have you hear it for yourself here. A.J. Brown, for 20 minutes, I give him a lot of credit, 20 minutes, Sports Radio WIP in Philly called into the afternoon show and had a basically an open-ended discussion about what went, uh, what went wrong for the Eagles. And one of the biggest things we've heard about the Eagles is the fact that they had no team chemistry, that the team was fractured, that there was infighting in the locker room, guys didn't like each other, guys didn't respect each other. A.J. Brown was basically asked about the locker room dynamic and at least tried to put on a, a front face of saying, all is well. Yeah, the locker room is fine. After the season, whatever, I just said players wasn't executed, like I said in the interview. That's what it came down to. I think the media kind of ran with the coaches. The coaches fault. The coaches didn't prepare us and this and that. I never blame the coaches. I'm, I'm not the person to blame the coach. I'm not trying to blame anyone. You know, uh, I, I'm the guy who's going to look in the mirror and going to challenge everybody else. Like, it was the players not executing, and that's what happened. He could say that again. I don't believe him. No one should believe him. He's saying what you want a leader to say to, again, try to lessen the drama and put it to bed. But no one can actually take what he's saying seriously. He didn't blame the coaches. A few weeks after the Seahawks game, which they lost on Monday night, were late in the game with a chance to win it. Jalen Hurts throws an interception deep. Brown admitted, yeah, we freelanced there. We didn't really listen to the play calls. We kind of just did our own thing. That right there is admitting you are blaming the coaches because they didn't put you in a position to succeed. You didn't trust the play calls that are coming in that are going to be good enough to execute in a in a two-minute drill. You freelancing is saying, without saying it, I and we, as the players, know better than the coaches. This was not a media thing. This was, I mean, you could tell just by watching this Eagles team the last two months. You could easily tell they got nothing. They don't like each other. A team this talented, down the stretch, is not losing at home to the Cardinals. Not getting embarrassed by the Giants. If they liked each other. If they were connected. If they're on the same page. A.J. Brown is saying the right thing publicly to prevent you know, more drama from building. But he knows. We all know. Just by watching, you could tell. That locker room was divided, and that locker room did not trust the coaching staff. But, again, Brown was asked not just about the locker room dynamic, but specifically down the stretch, A.J., what happened those last two months? Here's the star receiver's answer. When stuff started to really unravel and stuff like that, stuff started to not go as planned, then you saw, you saw what was happening. And then, like I said earlier, it was a domino effect, and it was trying to stop the bleed, and it was just everything was just going too fast at that point. That right there at the end, everything was going too fast at that point. You know who that falls on? Nick Sirianni. Not being a good enough leader as things are in a free fall from preventing the free fall from continuing. Great leaders, stop that. Great leaders don't let a snowball 
turned into an avalanche. Nick Sirianni basically was pushing the snowball down the mountain and having it build up to an avalanche. A.J. Brown won't publicly say the coaches are to blame or the, the locker room is to blame. That answer right there should tell you, though, things are going too fast. Things are spiraling out of control where towards the end it was just, you know, unstoppable. That right there tells you there is no leadership from the coaching staff. I mean, look no further than Andy Reid. Look at the Chiefs this year. Just won a Super Bowl. They had two different times this year where if they had a poorly uh, a poor leader as a head coach, they would not have won the Lombardi Trophy. Number one, for how bad the receivers were this year, and they were bad, and they made costly, boneheaded mistakes, Marquez Valdez scaling dropping balls, Kadarius Toney lining up offsides and his stupidity. There were plenty of times this year where Chiefs receivers are costing them games. And you could have had a revolt from Mahomes, from the defense. But part of the reason why this team stuck together was because of Andy Reid and his leadership, making sure that no one was taking blame and that they were going to be, you know, not pointing fingers, but in this together, getting solutions, not figuring out blame for problems. That was one great leadership example. The other is in the actual Super Bowl, when Travis Kelsey in the first quarter comes barreling into and almost knocking over Andy Reid with every single camera on him in the biggest game of the season. You could have, if you were Andy Reid, you were well within your right to push Kelsey back, to yell at him, to bench him, to make a scene, to make that three-second incident way, way bigger, where it overtakes the game. You could have easily made that bigger than the game. Star player bumps the coach, frustrated. Here we go. Here we go. But a great leader that Andy Reid is realized this is a big moment. My reaction is now going to determine the next course of events. Was calm, played it off, and did not allow that lapse in judgment by Travis Kelsey to derail the Chiefs' ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl. That's great leadership. That is how you prevent a snowball from turning into an avalanche. That is what didn't happen in Philly, and that is what you heard right there uh, in part of what of why the Eagles went from 10-1 and one to embarrassment in the playoffs. Because they didn't have the leader and head coach that could take a hold of the situation as things are spiraling and put a stop to it. That's why I, I don't know why, why Sirianna is still employed. Finally, last thing I'll play for you here, because it's not just the locker room, not just the coaching staff. A big talking point, too, now coming out of this season for Philadelphia is the relationship between the star receiver, A.J. Brown, and the star quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Credit to WIP. They asked Brown what his relationship uh, relationship is with Jalen Hurts. Is it fractured? Here's his answer. You know, I think that's total BS. You know, I'm not going to get into me and his relationship uh, on the air, but it's total BS. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it wasn't a problem when I was on my six game six game streak. It wasn't they wasn't talking about that then. So they they only started talking about that when we started losing. Two things. Number one, that's how it works, right? Winning cures all. 
if you're winning games, then what's going on chemistry-wise or, or maybe not being on the same page-wise or frustration-wise, it goes away. It's easier to laugh it off or fix when you're winning. When you're losing and that compiles, that's why it's a bigger talking point. I mean, this was two years ago in 2022, one of the best receivers in the game and one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So yeah, if you are not on the same page and the Eagles are losing games, that's why AJ, it's a massive talking point. Something did seem off, but it wasn't just those two. I didn't really, for me at least, I didn't get the vibe that something was off between Brown and Hurts. I got the vibe like the entire offense was off. I think for me, that's more more play calling than anything else. I don't think there was a big beef or drama between Hurts and Brown that led to this um, performance, led to this collapse. I don't think you have to trade either. I don't think you're sitting here talking about trading A.J. Brown or trading Jalen Hurts. I think both have bounce back years. I do. But it's now going to have to be in the leadership of the players in order for that to happen. The players have to take hold of the situation. And that's what I think A.J. Brown tried to do earlier today and spending his Friday in a way with us, right, in the radio realm, talking on WIP, trying to clear the air. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. I think the Eagles made a mistake in not firing Nick Sirianni. Clearly, at this point, that ship has sailed. So now when you look at things going on in the future, what do the Eagles have to fix? How can they kind of get back to liking each other? Just being a team, first and foremost, does that require trading Jalen Hurts? Trading A.J. Brown? I don't think so. But if you disagree, I want to hear why. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Twitter. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Is the Eagles fix right now moving off of one of their best players in order to get some team chemistry back on their side? We'll get your thoughts on that. And also when we return, speaking of chemistry, Russell Wilson did not have a lot, right, with his teammates in Denver in two years. He is now presumably going to get cut, so back on the free agent market. I have the best landing spot for Russell Wilson where I think he can resurrect his career. And it's a team I've heard no one mention. I'll tell you who that team is when we do return. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. Well, I'm glad you like JR's take. Hopefully you like mine as well. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on this Friday. If you missed any part of the show so far, two places you could catch up. Hick at Night Podcast, Night spelled N-I-T-E. Entirety of this show uploaded there so you can catch up and listen to everything you missed. Also, YouTube, Ryan Hickey is the channel name. A lot of video from this show uploaded to that channel. So that way, you're always up to date and also able to listen at your convenience. That is what we are here for. You, the listener. We are here to serve you. All right, it's been up. I hate to say, I'm a positive person. Optimist by nature. Always love looking at the bright side. Looking, I, I guess I didn't really realize this, kind of putting the show together until now. I just kind of took an over, uh, look over it. It's been a negative, negative Friday. 
Nick Sirianni should have been fired. Doc Rivers should be fired here if the Bucks go uh, anything less than four and one in their first five games out of the break. It's been a negative Friday. Let's talk some positivity here. Russell Wilson is a man looking for a new home, literally and figuratively. He needs a new team, and now his house is on the market, which, by the way, if you buy Russell Wilson's house, God bless you. What does the guy have, 15 bathrooms? I don't know why you need that many bathrooms. I don't know what Russ is doing. I don't know if he thinks he's going to have the entire you know state over to his house. Either way, though, if you want to buy Russ's house, there is no shortage of you to use the facilities. That is for sure. But now that Russ is going to be out of town in Denver, there is the one landing spot that is perfect for him, perfect for this team. Win-win, if you will. It's the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks are the perfect landing spot for Russell Wilson. It makes sense from both sides. Russ going back home and also the Seahawks taking in Russ, it's a total win-win. I don't see how you can point to a better team for Russ to go to and have more success. I also don't know how I don't know how if you're the Seahawks, you find right now a better quarterback option for 2024. Let me break it down. I got a few reasons why it makes sense because you may just be saying, Ryan, back to Seattle, that would never happen. Here's why it should happen. And here's why I think it makes sense for it to happen. Number one, Russell Wilson is cheap. He is getting paid $39 million from the Denver Broncos. So right now, like, you don't have to reset the quarterback market. You could pay Russ $3 million. It doesn't matter. He's getting 39 from the Broncos. And I think if you're Russ, he's smart enough to realize, I got to go to the right situation, not a team that offers me the most money. So because you got basically $40 million in the bag already from your old team, your contract here for 2024 is not a big priority. So you could sign, if you're Seattle, Russell Wilson on like a cheap backup type deal and still save a lot of money here to add to your roster. You just restructured Geno Smith's contract to open up more cap space. You signing Russell Wilson is not going to ruin that. That's number one. You can get Russ cheap. Number two is you got a new regime. New regime in Seattle, which means a fresh start for Russ. Pete Carroll is gone. So his biggest adversary, the guy he butted heads with the most, is no longer the decision maker. No longer in charge. So if you're Russ, you could go back home and realize, I got a new lease on life. I don't have to worry about Pete Carroll putting handcuffs on me and not allowing the offense the way I want it to be run. Mike McDonald now, youngest head coach in all the NFL, is now at the controls. Ryan Grubb, former Washington Huskies offensive coordinator, now is a guy calling plays. You're now going to a spot with youth and inexperience at the coaching position where I think they would welcome a veteran quarterback like Russ to the fray. So you're cheap. New regime right now is in charge in Seattle. Reason number three makes sense is he's a perfect fit. Going back to what I just said about Ryan Grubb. He right, he is now the new OC for the Hawks. He came from Washington University, UW. Look at that offense under Michael Penix Jr. last year. 
How did Washington operate? In case you didn't watch um, much college football, I'll tell you. They were a bomb it down the field and push the ball vertically. What does Russell Wilson want to do? Bomb the ball down the field and push it vertically. I think they'll incorporate the, the run game more with the Seahawks than they did um, with the Huskies. But that is fits perfectly what Russ wants to do and where he's had his most success. Run the ball, and then off play action, throw it deep to DK. Throw it deep to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Throw it deep, still got a little juice left, Tower Lockett. That offensive philosophy of pushing the ball vertically down the field a ton, is it fits Russ exactly what he wants, perfectly. That's what he's been known for, right? That moon ball uh, or that moonshot deep ball that he loves to throw. Um, that is what Ryan Grubb wants to do offensively, and that is what Russell Wilson does perfectly. So you look at right now, you know, what's in place, whether it's a contract, whether it's a new regime, whether it's the offense to the pieces around Russ that are better than the last time he was in Seattle. I don't know why you wouldn't do it if you're the Seahawks. And not to mention, like, you really in on Geno Smith? Russell Wilson is an upgrade over Geno. I think for me, Geno is more of a Pete Carroll guy. I don't think Geno fits what Mike McDonald wants to do. Part of the, the reason why I think that is the book is out on Geno. The league has figured him out. Look at his stats from last year to two years ago. 2022, when he took the league by storm, got the Seahawks to the playoffs, won comeback play of the year, threw 30 touchdowns. This past year, threw 20. His passer rating dropped almost 10 points from 100 to 92. Passing yards, 4,200 passing yards in 2022, 3,600 passing yards in 2023. All of his stats went down. Now that the league had a, a full year, a full offseason to see what he wants to do, how he works, and how you can stop him. By the way, look at Geno's stats from this past season. 20 touchdowns, 92 passer rating, 3,600 passing yards. Russell Wilson surpassed all those numbers. Russell Wilson was better. He was the better quarterback. So you want you again laugh at Russ, clown Russ, even in a, a a down year or a year that wasn't that impressive in 2023, it was still better than what Geno did. So if you're the Seahawks, why wouldn't you make this move? Why wouldn't you bring Russell Wilson to town and bring a better quarterback? into at least compete with Geno Smith. It makes no sense why you wouldn't do so. You have an offense that's built to win right now. You, you told Pete Carroll your services are no longer wanted here. You're moving in a youth direction. I think Geno's around mostly because of Pete Carroll. So now that Pete's not the decision maker, and he was Russell Wilson's biggest adversary, why wouldn't you bring Russ back? Why wouldn't you bring him back home and try to lead this team to the playoffs? I think he gives you a better chance than Geno Smith does. And I'm not even sold right now that the Seahawks are even all in on Geno. I want to read you one thing really fast here. And that is a report 
from Adam Schefter. The other day, the Seahawks, um, the Seahawks allowed Geno Smith's contract to fully guarantee. There's like a certain date where either you you cut Geno Smith or if he's on the roster, his salary is fully guaranteed. They let that date pass, still on the roster. It was $12.7 million, fully guaranteed. Here is what Adam Schefter tweeted with regard to that news of Geno Smith's salary guaranteeing for 2024. He said, quote, The Seahawks believed that in today's market, with salaries soaring for starting quarterbacks, the right decision was to pay the money per sources. Now Geno Smith will represent a value to them or any other team that decides to reach out to see if they can they can acquire Smith via trade. There's Adam Schefter right there. And where did the information come from? Is Adam Schefter an opinion giver? Is he someone that reaches out of thin air and just pulls things out of his ass to say? Or does he report on what he's told? I'm going to go with the latter. He reports on what he's told. If Adam Schefter is tweeting that now Smith is a value either to the Seahawks at a cheap quarterback contract or to another team because he's only $13 million on the salary cap, so if they want to trade for him, they're trading for a cheap option at quarterback. Who is telling Adam Schefter that information? The Seahawks. That right there should tell you they're not even all in on Geno. They're looking for a replacement and or an upgrade. You got it with the guy you jettisoned two years ago. Bring Russ home. He's the perfect fit for this offense. I think he'll be welcome back. You got great playmakers around him. He fits the offense of what you're trying to run now with Ryan Grubb. It is perfect. He is cheap. It makes all the sense in the world. Russell Wilson, the perfect landing spot for him in 2024, is back home. The Seattle Seahawks. PB, what do we think? Pat Boyle here on the updates. I think that's a hell of a reunion. I think that's a hell of a script you just wrote. I think it's a hell of a proposition. I I don't think it's going to happen. I I think Seattle wants no part of actually bringing Russ back because, and I think you've said the last two years, right? The Denver Broncos were going to make the playoffs. Uh, one year I said the Super Bowl, um, <laughs> and then I doubled down this past year saying they're they're guaranteed to make the playoffs. So I know that you are a Russ believer. I don't, you 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 have to be if you thought they were going to make the Super Bowl yes. and then to make the playoffs. I am not. And I know what I've seen. Now, last year, he was a lot better, right? And I think it was a very, you know, they had the training wheels on the offense. So the, the interceptions were down, but they didn't take a whole lot of shots down the field. They, there was an offense that was based around, you know, short throws in front of the sticks and let the playmakers for Denver do their jobs. Um, I, don't, I don't think Seattle can afford to bring in Russ when they are still a, a fringe playoff team yep. and just hope that he still has shades of old Russ in him. I, I don't think he does. I don't think he has the mobility. I think that's one thing that made him so great. So I don't think he has that, and I think the arm has dropped off as well. The decision-making has dropped off. So I I think Geno's a better quarterback than Russ at this point. I think he showed it, and I I think they'd be making a big mistake when they only are taking a $13 million cap hit to take a chance on Russ. I will admit, it is a risk. It definitely is a risk. It's not a guarantee. But with that said, if you're going to take a risk anyway, if I was the Seahawks, I'd rather risk bringing Russ in and see if he can get back to that old level of play versus hoping that Geno Smith looks like he did in 2022 compared to 2023. I think both are risks. For me, I would feel better with Russ rather than Geno. Let me ask you one other thing here before we get to the update. What is more likely, Russ in Seattle 
Or, like the former GM of your team suggested this past week, Russ to the Jets. Mm. Did you see that? Come I on. did. I, and I think um, and I think it's more likely that Russ goes to the Jets. Come on. I'm trying to get an easy win. It's a Friday. The show is here. I'm trying to get at least an easy win of Russ is more likely to be on the Seahawks and the Jets. Okay, boom. Let's get to the update. <laughs> it's more likely the Jets? Yeah, because look, they oh look what last goodness. year proved. Look what last year proved. The Jets need somebody that is a capable backup. And I think at this point, Russ is a more than capable backup. I don't think he's a good enough starter to get you to the playoffs. But I think he's a more than capable backup. And I think if worst case scenario, if Rodgers gets hurt again, the Jets can at least feel comfort in the fact that, hey, he hasn't been good the last two years. It hasn't been great, but maybe we can get old Russ out. And if we're doing it at a cheap price and as a backup, that's that's something we're willing to live with. We both know there is no shot in hell Aaron Rodgers is allowing Russell Wilson to come to town. Why not? Because he doesn't want competition. That's it's not, it's not competition. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Come on. Aaron Rodgers is a narcissist. I don't think he wants anyone even – because you know – like, look, I think this is how Aaron Rodgers' brain works. If he has one bad game, and we know how Jets fans are, New York fans in general are not afraid to turn on you fast. If Aaron Rodgers has a bad month, people are going to be calling for Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is not Right or wrong, benched. people will be calling for Aaron – no, I'm not even saying they're going to do it. Fans, radio, newspapers will be talking about it. That is enough to drive Aaron Rodgers crazy. And that's, I don't, I think part of the reason why he wanted Zach Wilson around is I think he knew Zach Wilson is not a threat. Well, hopefully the GM, Joe Douglas, and, and Woody Johnson, the owner, grew some stones this whole well, season, and they're not going to let Aaron Rodgers run the team because look how well happen? that worked out last year. What are the odds you think that happens? What? That they, that they actually put their foot down and take the team back from Aaron Rodgers? I'd say pretty high. I say last year was a disaster. They had no backup plan, wow. so they're they're not going to say, "Hey, Aaron, you know, we'll let you have you know my cousin, greatest name on on earth, uh, Timmy Boyle, as your backup here <laughs> because he's no competition to you." But in case you get hurt, we are screwed again. They're going to say we're bringing in a, in a backup. You're the starter. You're our guy. Hey, Aaron, you're our, you're right. They're going to sweet talk him. You're our guy, Aaron. Right? That that's nothing. That that's never going to change. You're our guy. You're going to lead us to our first Super Bowl victory in over fifty years. You're going to be the next Joe Namath here. But just in case you get hurt. <laughs> We need a backup plan. There is no chance. No chance Aaron Rodgers signs off on that. No chance Robert Sala, who, according to reports on The Athletic, that to me seem very verified, is like pleading Aaron Rodgers publicly to back him. He's afraid of losing his job. I don't think uh, Robert Sala or Joe Douglas are going to go to Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, we're going to bring in Russell Wilson just in case you get hurt again. That is Aaron's team, and that's the Jets have signed – they have made the deal with the devil. Well, what backup would be okay? What, what backup would Aaron Rodgers sign off on? Jacoby Tim, Brissett? Tim Boyle. Would he sign off on Jacoby Brissett? Mm, maybe. He wouldn't let Jacoby Brissett, who's been a lifetime backup, be his backup? I, I don't... I think... I'm telling you, it's, it's an Aaron Rodgers personality flaw. The guy just... He doesn't want to feel threatened. And he... I, I think he feels threatened by a lot of people. He felt threatened by Jordan Love. And with good reason. Now we're seeing it, but even at the time when he was drafted, Jordan Love was a project. Now, but best. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers had a lot of right to be threatened because they needed receivers at that in that particular draft, and they went ahead and drafted his replacement instead. So I, I think any normal human would have been pissed off at that. That scenario, yes, but it still to me it feels like he is someone that is very insecure, we'll say. I think you see those insecurities come out in some of the guys that he chooses to be friends with, some of the guys he wants on the team, some of the guys he wants to insulate himself around. Instead of trying to get what's best for everybody, and that's, I think, in part, 
while you have Nathaniel Hackett still running the offense for the Jets, which is a whole different story for a whole different day. Um, but okay, so more likely Russell Wilson, I couldn't convince you, with the Jets than the Seahawks. I'll try next time to make it more convincing. That's that's my plan for next time we are together. I appreciate you making us a part of your Friday right here. JR's off. We'll be back on Monday. Ryan Hickey filling on and for JR. We got a few minutes left here. So I want to wrap up the show by talking about looking ahead here to 2024. There is no team, I think, in the NFL that has a worse quarterback situation than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because I think they right now have two things going against them. Number one, they don't have a quarterback. Kenny Pickett, ain't it. Mason Rudolph, ain't it. That's problem number one. Problem number two is they're not looking for an upgrade. They're not looking to improve on what is a bad quarterback room. There's no team in the NFL, no other team, I should say, in the NFL, that has both bad quarterbacks and is content with keeping those bad quarterbacks and not looking for an upgrade. Jerry Dulek is a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Steelers reporter. He reported this week that the Steelers want to give Kenny Pickett a third year, that you know he has a winning record as a starter, and they want to give him one more opportunity to see if he can be the guy for this team going forward. I'll save everyone the time. He's not. He is not. You could talk about a winning record with Kenny Pickett as a starter. Here's what I'll show you. The stats. Because offensively, they are not winning these games because of Kenny Pickett. They're not winning these games because of the offense. That elite defense has won Pittsburgh way more games than their offense. In the two years Kenny Pickett has been the starter, let me just read you really fast here, where the Steelers rank in terms of passing yards per game and points per game. This past season, the Steelers were 25th in the NFL in passing yards per game, 28th in points per game. In Pickett's rookie year, 24th in passing yards, 26th in points per game. They have gotten worse in passing offense and scoring points in Pickett's second year, and also with Mason Rudolph playing a few games as well, compared to his first year. How can you sit here and tell me you want to give Mason uh, Kenny Pickett one more opportunity? That's the definition of insanity. Why are you wasting right now a great defense with T.J. Watt in his prime, with Alex Highsmith in his prime, with a few other guys as well playing well defensively, and you want to throw away 2024 to, to see or make sure that Kenny ain't in? Why would you do that? Especially when you have three easy and obvious upgrades at you know sitting in your lap, if you will. Kirk Cousins, free agent. Justin Fields on the trade market. And we just talked about Russell Wilson. He's about to be cut. So he's about to enter the free agent market. Three options. Salary-wise are cheap. Draft compensation is little to none you have to give up. To get any one of those three guys, any one of those three guys walk in to your team, instantly better than Kenny Pickett. Why you would sit there and kind of snub your nose at three easy and obvious upgrades to run it back with Kenny Pickett is mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. The Steelers don't have a quarterback, and they're also not in the market to look for an upgrade. That right there 
no team has it worse quarterback-wise going to next season than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Congratulations. Tough honor to win. You, though, have won the award no one wants to win. That'll do it for this edition of the JR Sport Brief Show with Ryan Hickey filling in. appreciate you for tuning on in and making us a part of your Friday. If you like what you hear, hopefully you did, check me out every single Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on CBS Sports Radio. Host a weekly show, Hick at Night. Check out the YouTube page, Ryan Hickey. Podcast is Hick at Night, night spelled N-I-T-E. Thank you to Jack Stern for producing tonight. Don't go anywhere. David Shepard is up next. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you Sunday right here. It's been Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio.